0: Hey, turn to the book of Psalms. Turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. I'm going to be reading a a familiar passage here in just a moment. You know, one of my prayer requests before the Lord was when we made our transition here. Uh, Well, actually, it started back last January when uh, Laura had come to me and said that uh, she was going to be married and would be transitioning and moving to North Carolina. And we began the whole thought process of how the ministry, the worship ministry would go forward. One of the things I, I took before the Lord, and I'm just not saying that in, a, in, a, in any flippant way. I said, Lord, I, I don't want to get back on that platform. You, you, some of you have been here long enough. You remember pastor on the platform. Now, you might have enjoyed that, but that just wore me out. And although I enjoy music immensely... And uh, I love playing. You know what? That anointing has left the building, on Pastor. It's just that uh, it uh, there was. And when Lord said that, I looked at Trace and I said, "It. It. God will have to drag me back to the platform. I'll do anything the Lord tells me to do. But I'm just. I'm just saying, Lord, if you're asking for my opinion in this matter, I uh, do not want to go up there. So, so my prayer. And and knowing that, uh, I also prayed, Lord, I don't want us to go backwards. I believe we can go forwards, and I just want to say out loud again, Brad. I'm glad you're here. We're moving forward. There's a good spirit. God's moving in this, and I'm just excited about the future uh, in this area. And I really believe that God answers prayer. (laughs) So, isn't that pastors testifying? I believe God answers prayer. Hallelujah. And um, so we're we're grateful not. just to Brad coming. I'm grateful to our whole worship team, man. They, they pinch hit, uh, for several weeks, did a great job. And, um, so, you know, I'm getting a sense that we're not only get going a good direction. I I believe we're going towards a breakthrough. It's kind of where I'm at. There's going to be a breakthrough that's going to happen here. One of these days, I'm not going to put it on the schedule. None of us will expect it. We'll all show up and we'll have our order of service and we'll all know. Well, we may not all know, but at least I'll know What's up for the day, and all of a sudden, God comes. Oh, sweet Jesus. And at that moment, it'll be an amazing thing. You can get more accomplished 30 seconds in the presence of God than you can 30 years just laboring. And uh, and so anyway, I'm just sowing these things. I want you to anticipate and expect uh, God to do these things but you know it's not just it's not just these people's responsibility you know that I I, I like that There's skilled people we got skilled musicians we've got great voices I, I love to listen to it um you know it it blesses me to hear people that have those gifts and talents to be able to help us but it's not their responsibility alone you understand to bring in and usher in the presence of God right I mean, you can, you can have a Nashville studio quality band, and they can hit all the licks just perfect, you know, modulate at just the right time, and give you the goosebump you're looking for, but that doesn't mean God has to show up. And so it's not just their responsibility, it's all of our responsibilities. Worship is not, is not a spectating sport. Worship is fully participatory in the house of God. We all come to worship. I enjoy the music and I enjoy the skills. I'm not here. I, I, I can say I love you, appreciate your skills, but I don't want you to entertain me. I want you to lead me into the presence of God and I'll do whatever I can to stoke the fire to get there. That's, that's why we've gathered in the house of God to worship and, and to praise. And I am, I am cognizant of the fact that as a pastor, um, my job is to help uh, model that and certainly lead that in as much as I can. I'm 51 years old. My energy levels are not nearly as high as they used to be. If I start bouncing with the young people, I get out of breath in about 30 seconds. I like, go, oh, Jesus, help me. You know, I'm, I mean, that's, you know how it is. They'll, they'll, you'll get the little congregational bounce going. And, I'm, and I love that. But, but, you know, in about 30 seconds, I'm kind of breathing hard. So I understand I'm not where, you know, I used to be in this stuff. Just because, you know, I need to get back into praise shape, I guess. But do you understand the reason Israel did so well under King David? And you realize that the the reason the Messiah's kingdom is linked to the kingdom of David is because David had no problem leading his kingdom into the presence of God. And he worshiped with everything he had as a king. And let me tell you, David was not some limp-wristed... I shouldn't have probably said that. But you know where I'm going with that. David wasn't some girly man. David was a man's man. He was the only, remember, he's the only guy that had what it took to go before Goliath when all the armies of Israel were seized in fear. He was the one, the scripture tells us, that before he went after Goliath, he killed a lion, right? And he killed a bear. How many of you have killed a lion or a bear with either your bear hands or a slingshot? Ain't nobody in here. I know some hunters may be in here. All right, I know. You didn't have a slingshot. You might have had a gun or something else, and I'll give you that one. But but this was this David was a man's man. And he worshipped God with everything he had. And there was no sense of embarrassment. There was no sense of of chagrin. There was no there there, there was no timidity in this. He worshiped God, a man's man, and he worshiped God. Now, I'll just, I'll just, I won't dwell here long because it'll be painful. But I'll just say it. I, I'm, I'm believing that men begin to worship God because I'm telling you, when the men begin to worship God and when the men begin to exercise leadership, God will move powerfully in these in these areas. And again, you don't, you don't have to be. You know, we're not looking for interpretive dances from the men. We're not looking. For things like, I mean, I understand there's a men pray, but men can praise in certainly a manly way. Women certainly can as well. But in the the church, our problem has been we've become too cool to praise God. We like the contemporary music. We like, we like, because that's what we listen to on the radio and we enjoy that and we like that. But then we get too cool to worship God and we got to break the cool out of us. We've got to get delivered from that and get back to the place where we, where we know what it means to worship God. And I believe that I have a responsibility as a pastor to lead the way in that, uh, set the tone. Uh, you know what, I may not be able to jump as high and as long as others do, but they ought not run past me. <laughs> I ought to give it everything I've got. Amen? Come on, we, got, we ought to give it everything we've got. We ought to leave the house of God a little bit sweaty on Sunday morning. Yes, we should. I'm just giving you some views on... On, on that i have on the subject and uh so so let's just set the watermark up there come on let's let's worship god when people come in here and they go god you all are just you you, you all are just too energetic or you're just you you too emotional or I just i just i don't know about all that just well you know what it's not about you it's about him all right and some may not like it In my view is okay go back to deadhead row then we're we, we have life in this place he has put life into my mortal body it cannot be contained, and and so I'm just challenging you now. I don't, I, you know, you don't have to say, well, I don't know if I can. Then, then do what I used to do. I, I'm, I've left the notes, Matt. I just want you to know I am off the map right now. I have left the notes. I'll never forget when I was first spirit filled, because I'd gone through all the training you go through as a Nazarene pastor, and in the Church of the Nazarene, of course, I, I was told this. I don't know if this is true or not, but I was told, like in a Baptist church you could lift your arm as long as the Bible was in it. See, this is what I was always told. If you had the Bible in your hand, it's like you were safe. That's what I was told. Maybe, I don't, some of you grew up in that. You might know better than I. In the church of the Nazarene, you didn't have to have the Bible in your hand. You could put one arm up. So we were, we were one arm bandits, I guess. I mean, we could put one arm. You get two arms up, they'd start watching you because you could go somewhere that might not have been good. You know, and, and so you got to understand, of course, there were more traditional Nazarene churches. There were looser Nazarene churches. You know, there were there were there were some some variants in, in, in what church you went to. I went to a large one that was very stoic and, and it was probably a little I'd call it a souped up Methodist church. It was probably a little bit. It was probably a little bit warmer than your average Methodist church, but, it, but it's not like it was over the top or anything. And, and maybe during revival services, you'd see the hands, you know, every now and then, the one hand go up every now and then. So that was kind of what I grew up in. My pastor rarely raised his hand. If he raised his hand, we were in revival. I mean, I, mean it, I remember him at times, he'd raise his hand, and the whole place would stop and say, Pastor Cunningham raised his hand. I mean, that would be the talk at school the next day. Pastor Cunningham raised his hand. So I'm just giving you some background here. So when I got filled with the Spirit, you know, you aren't instantly, it's just like when you're saved, you're not instantly fixed the moment you're saved. I mean, some things may happen to you sovereignly, but sometimes there's some God-designed training that gets worked on you. And so I remember, you know, I got filled with the Spirit, and it was dramatic and passionate, but I still had some of these things, and I'll never forget going. Uh, When we finally, you know, we stepped out of our denomination, we went, To the church that we were going to be attached to. And of course, it was a, in those days, it would have been called a full-blown charismatic church. They'd begin to play and it was, you know, we liked it. It was contemporary. They were jamming. It was kind of music I always wanted. And then everybody's, you know, everybody's doing their thing. Of course, back in those days, they did the Jewish dances. You know, they were doing all that Jewish stuff. (laughs) I wasn't much better with that, believe me. And, and, And the whole time I was there, you know, you want the liberty, but it's like, oh man, that's, it's great to have the liberty, but And so anyway, I got used to doing this. And then after a while, I felt this arm. And it did this. And you know, you do this for a while and it feels normal. It takes a while for it to get normal, but now it's normal. I mean, I don't think about it. When people come sometimes and say, man, everybody in your church lifts their hands. And I say, well, isn't that normal? Because that's just kind of us. We've, we've we've pressed through into that culture. And and I'll never forget just all those moments that that God had to take me and break me out of my self-containment in order that I could truly yield my body as a living sacrifice. And you understand that the sacrifices in the New Testament are no longer the blood of bulls and goats, but the Bible tells us it's the fruit of our lips giving thanks that becomes the sacrifice of praise. So we sacrifice, we no longer, you know, bring our animals up here, slit their throats, cut them all up and, you know, let the blood flow. But our sacrifice literally in this era under a new covenant is our praise. And Paul would tell us in Romans 12, he said to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your, some translations will say reasonable spiritual worship um, uh It'll be translated several ways, but what he's saying there is when you come to worship, there is the place of, of giving your yourself over to your God, worshiping your God. And I just encourage all the Wednesday night crowd. I'd do this on Sunday too. It wouldn't bother me if it was Sunday. But you know, if we want God to come, and if we want God to powerfully move in our midst, I can assure you He, he, will, he will only move to those who will worship him? That's why we come. You understand why we come here. We come for no other reason than to worship God. There may be a lot of other reasons you come. We fellowship. We're instructed. You know, there's you know there's other valid reasons, but the number one priority we gather in a sanctuary is we worship God. He is He is to be worshipped, and so uh, I just want to spend a few minutes. I don't know if I'll get through all my notes, Matt. So just bear with me, but. You and I need to purpose ourselves to access the presence of God. Psalm 100, verse 4. If you could post that up on the screen. It's a familiar passage. It says this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now, you should know just by reading this that the background of this particular psalm has as its context the whole Tabernacle or temple arrangement, and whether you want to talk about the tabernacle, which was the movable I call that the the movable temple or whether it was the the stationary temple it was it was set up ostensibly the same way, and you had to move through the outer gates in order to you go back the past the the, the altars that would consume and, and then you 'd move into the holy place, and then if you were the high priest you 'd go into the most holy place but But the point that's being illuminated to us here is that as we move into the presence of God, and the ark represented the presence of God, and as you can imagine that old temple or tabernacle, and as you come through his gates, the closer you would get to the holy place meant that you were getting closer and closer to the very presence of God. And the whole purpose of the high priest was that he was to take the sacrifice And he was to bring it into the very presence of God, to the Ark of the Covenant. And it was there he'd sprinkle it on the mercy seat and God would see the blood as it covered over the broken law. And there would be atonement that would take place on behalf of the people. And this whole picture is showing us here that we no longer have to go to someone else, another priest. Nobody has to go in for you and me anymore. But you and I have now become priests unto God. And so we literally can bring our sacrifice, which is the sacrifice of praise. And as we want and desire to move into the presence of God, when someone looks at me anymore and says, I just don't feel God anymore. Listen, you feeling God isn't my problem. You feeling God at times isn't even your church's problem. Although I believe church has a responsibility to help assist you in pressing into the presence of God. So so I'll take partial responsibility that the church, as, as a gathering, should be practicing intercession. It should be practicing praise, practicing worship. It should be participating in these things in corporate life to give people the opportunity, as they come into the house of God, to literally touch the presence of God. But having said these things, it's yours and my responsibility every Sunday morning when we come in here. Because we have now, praise God, you know, legacy is what, almost nine years old now. And here's the good news. Nine years old, most of you in this room have been with me and we have dug out the old wells. And those old wells are the wells of prayer and intercession and Bible study and sacrifice and all the things that we put to it to now we have what we have today. And can I just share this with you? Not everybody has what you and I get to enjoy in this place. We may not be the best thing, and I would not even raise the flag up and say we we are the best thing going, but I'll tell you this, you come to this place and you walk in those glass doors and you will sense the presence of God. And the reason is not just what I do or even what they do. It's what we have done by being committed to pressing into his presence. And I don't know where I was going with all of that. Except to say that now you and I as priests need to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And that's why every time we gather together, whether it be. Wednesday night or Sunday morning, uh, we start off with our praise and we start off with our worship because that, that starts us moving into his, his presence. Now, uh, let me, let me get, let me get into how we praise. Uh, let's go to the next, next one. Understanding praise, Matt, can we do that? Understanding praise. Um, what is praise? Just keep, keep this up here for just a moment. What is praise? It is a verb. It's a verb. Uh, you, you just can't. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you can praise God in your heart. You can worship God in your heart. But praise is a verb. Every time praise uh, is translated all through the scripture, it's a verb. In fact, there's no one word for it. It usually is translated praise in the Bible, but oftentimes it means something else. Now, I'm not, the lesson tonight is not about telling you all the different ways we can praise God. Hopefully, uh, that has been sewed into you enough, whether through instruction or just through illustration, that you get a hold of this. But, but in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, we find the imagery of how we praise God. It says we can lift our hands. That's one way to praise God. Um, we can kneel. That's another way. Uh, we can, the scripture says, actually, there's a word for to bounce. So every time we bounce, you know, that's not what, just what the world does when it goes to a concert and you understand that the enemy can't create anything. He counterfeits and he seizes what is legitimately to be happening in the house of God. He counterfeits it and corrupts it. You can find that in the scripture. There's a word for spin. That's one of the words for praise, All of these things are verbs, and they're action-oriented. Now, I understand that in church life in America, we come to church and we're, shh, be quiet. We're in the house of God. Well, there may be those moments, but it was the Lord who said that we were to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all ye peoples. These are the things that He wants us to do in order to celebrate in his presence. And all of these things are appropriate uh, within the house of God in order to, to praise him, all right, and to, and to lift up the name of the Lord. Now, I, I very much understand when things are becoming a three-ring circus, and I can reel it in. But let me just say at this point, I don't think we've reached three-ring circus stage quite yet. But I want you to just be exhorted And again, just where are you now and what must you do in order to take your praise to the next place? If you're like me and maybe you're just a one-hander, maybe your next place is a two-hander. Come on, go to the next place. What's the next place? Maybe you're already a two-hander. Maybe you need to get a little bounce. Say, oh, pastor, I don't know. Take your shoes off. Come on, what's the next place for your praise, all right? Um, Let me go through this real quick. I'm going to go through this super fast. And then at the end of of, of this lesson, as we go through this, I'm going to ask all the worship team to come back. And we're just going to praise God a little bit before we go. All right, I'm kind of setting the temperature here. And as I do this, I believe that we're leavening again in a righteous way the congregation so that as we gather on Sunday... You say, well, what about those that didn't hear? Well, they will see. (laughs) Those that weren't instructed will now get to observe of uh, those things that we're doing as unto the Lord. Understanding praise, it's a verb. What is praise? Let me just write several things down here as to what praise is. I'm going to do this very quickly, so get your pens out if you want to write. And uh, you can uh, as well write down some of the uh, references. Number one, it's recognizing who God is. He is worthy to be praised. I'm st- I, it's still remarkable to me, and you've heard me say this before, that that if you go to certain schools and, and observe a football game, and I'll, I, I'll just say Clemson, uh, for example, if you go to a Clemson game and they run out there, do you know what everybody does when, when they come out there? They, then do you know what they do with, the, with their hands? Isn't that true, Hayward? Aren't you a Clemson graduate? Did you do that when you went to football games? You lifted your hands and shook them like that? You radical. You are radical, man. That whole stadium, is it not? That whole stadium has its hands up doing this, doesn't it? And you know what we do? We walk into the football game and we got our hands up doing that too. Not even thinking about it. Why doesn't somebody, why, you know, you ought to go to a Clemson game. And when, you're, when the guy starts doing that next to you, you ought to just rebuke him. What are you doing? Man, that just, it offends me. Can you, does that sound stupid? Would you understand what that must look like to God when we come to his house and people get offended? The Pharisees were offended when people praised Jesus. And Jesus said, if you won't let these folks praise me, then the rocks will cry out. Well, ain't going to be no rock out praise me. So, so he's, he's worthy of our praise. It, you know, an uh, Atlanta Braves game. Or Florida State, you know this stuff. Whoa, whoa! Now it looks stupid here, doesn't it? But there'll be there'll be ninety thousand people. What do they do at the Gators? You do you don't do that, Melissa. Do you do that? You are off the chart. You, oh, you're by yourself and. And it, think about all these things we do. Don't think a thing about it. Catch it. People, and they ain't even drunk yet. They're still lucid doing it. But you come to the house of God and all of a sudden it's keep it down. Keep it calm. Why do we do come on? This is the King of Kings. Hey. You can love Clemson. You can love the Braves. You can love the Gators. You can love the Seminoles. I don't know who you love, but they don't match to the king. The king. The Gators get this. The king gets this. Amen. In fact, I'm convicted. I go to the ball games now and I can't do that if I haven't praised. If, I, I refuse to do this if I get to go to a Clemson game. I refuse to do it if I have not been praising God right. It's almost like idolatry, isn't it? Oh, I, now I'm, I'm meddling now. I can see that. I better, I better let that one go. Oh, my, 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 my. Hey, we're going to go through this. What is praise? Number two, it's acknowledging God for all he's done for us. Come on. I mean, we can't, you know, you can't just hug God. I mean, God's spirit. You can't hug him. So how do you, what do you do? You, you, you praise him. Number three, it's exalting God. It's exalting God. You're lifting him up. Are you riding fast? Number four, honoring God. What is praise? It's honoring God. You want to know how you honor God? You praise him. Number five, it's magnifying the Lord. How do you enlarge him? How do you declare his greatness? Through praising him. Number six, I know I'm moving too fast. It's marveling. You're marveling at him. These are all the reasons why we're praising God, what we're praising him uh, over. And, And lastly, seven, it's glorifying the Lord, glorifying the Lord. Now, I want to go through the why. Why should we praise Him here in just a moment? And we're going to go through this pretty quick too, so get your shorthand ready. Listen, if you, I, I, I want to share this really sensitively, which which may be the Lord, just me being sensitive. But um, if if we have difficulty praising the Lord here, what do you think heaven's going to be like? People... People don't want to praise God here, but they don't realize they're going to a place that we will praise him continually. Now, there may be other things we do, but I can assure you by the word that it's going to be a loud, clamorous, over the top praising of our God. And if we have difficulty with the atmosphere that's created in the house of God, you're going to have difficulty with what goes on in all of heaven. Because his praises are taking place there as well. So down here, you can just say to yourself, you're just getting greased up for heaven. You're just getting oiled up for eternity. You're just just practicing for that which, when you are in your glorified body, when I'm in my glorified body, I'm not going to run out of breath. I'm not going to be out of shape. I'm hoping for a little more hair on the head. You've heard me say that I believe we're all going to be 33 years old when we get to heaven. I believe that. Because Jesus was 33, and it says that when we see him, we shall be like him. I'm just, that's what I... I so, I'm, hey, when you're 52, you're willing to go to 33. I'm just telling you. Now, if you're 29, I don't know how that works. Or, But, but why do we praise him? Let's go down through this real fast. Number one, he's, the Bible says he's enthroned on the praises of his people. When we praise God in this place, he literally sets up his throne. His address, listen to me, I'll give you his address. His address is P-R-A-I-S-E. That's his address. God is is established, his throne is established on the praises of his people. If If we want this to become a throne room, it's all in our court we praise him. And as we praise him, and what that literally means is it means that his authority comes and is established in that place as we praise him. Uh, Number two, nothing else can praise the Lord quite like people. Now, I believe this with all my heart uh, and people often look at me askance, but I, I just encourage you to check this out. You know, when Satan fell from heaven uh, he was He was uh, the choir leader, he was the worship leader. He was the one the Bible tells us in ezekiel twenty eight that literally music was created inside of him, and when that fell and, and, and some people kind of makes him go tilt i don 't believe i don 't believe praise was quite right in heaven after that that 's why he God enjoys to hear the praises of his people that 's why he desires to hear the song of the redeemed it 's because I don't think it's ever been the same since Satan fell. In fact, if you'll read through the book of the Revelation, there is no singing that I can find until the saints show up. And once the saints show up, and they begin to sing the song of the redeemed, and you understand that angels cannot sing the song of the redeemed because angels don't know the joy unspeakable and full of glory that comes with being saved. They can't can't sing that song. When we begin to sing the songs of salvation and the deliverance of our God, every angel suddenly has to fold back their wings for they cannot sing such songs. But you and I are the ones that can. And there's something in the heart of God that delights when he hears the song of the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Nothing else can praise God quite like man. I understand angels rejoice when, when, a, when a sinner is saved and comes into the kingdom, the angel the Bible says the angels rejoice, but i 'm just telling you when we get together and we begin to sing the songs that talk about the cross and deliverance and salvation, the angels are quiet because they know nothing of these things, only you and I, and something man moves the heart of God when he hears that i've got to hurry. Number three, it lifts up and rejoices in god 's great deeds, both now and in the past. We praise God by way of testifying. It's, it's a great way to bring testimony uh, out. Come on, right quick now. Number four. All right, well, you can... You can, you can DVR it or something later. I don't know. It proclaims God's greatness and majesty to the world. How will the world know His greatness? We sing it, we declare it, we praise Him. That's one of the ways the world sees... His greatness is that it comes through the praises of his people. I know you're right, and I'm sorry. Number five, it releases God's blessing to us. You know, when you praise the Lord, it releases his blessing to us. Hey, Matt, post Psalm 67, those five verses. Can you do that, Psalm 67, 5 through 7? Let me read that real quick up on the screen. It says, let the peoples praise you. O God, let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall what? Verse 7, God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Is that not an interesting verse? It says, when you praise God, things are loosed. Increase is loosed towards you. Uh, what's our next one? Number 6. Of course, in the same, uh, same uh, thought, it releases God's power. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, when the Israelites were encompassed by an enemy greater and stronger... I always got to chuck a lot of these passages because Jehoshaphat sent the choir out ahead of the army. I thought, that's cool. Let's go into battle and let's send the choir members out first. And that's exactly what he did. And the Bible says that they began to worship and praise God, and the enemy literally turned on each other. What caused that to happen? They praised God. They praised God. Number seven, we're created to praise him. You wonder, everybody wonders what their purpose in life is. I can't answer everything, but I can answer this one thing. You were created to praise God. God created you to praise him and to worship him. Number eight, we've been commanded to praise him. I mean, if you're concerned about obedience, God says, praise me. I want you to do these things. That's why we do it. Sometimes you just say, yes, sir, Lord, and do it. You don't have to know everything. He just said it. God said it, I'll do it. Amen. What are we number 9? It's it's a sacrifice. I mentioned this that pleases God. It's a sacrifice that pleases God and lastly number 10, he's worthy to receive our praise. Now if you really want all of those and you miss something, I'll you just I'll just leave my notes out here and afterwards you can just swing by and write down whatever uh you need to know. But but I want to leave you with this. And, and guys, uh, if you want to start moving this direction, that's great. Because we're going to praise God in the last few moments we have here before we, we come to the end. But I want you to think about this for just a moment. I was, I was thinking about this lesson tonight. And I thought to myself how praise can actually be a weapon against the enemy. Now think about this for just a second. This is just kind of... Maybe maybe others knew this and it just came to me. But, you know, one of the things the enemy likes to do is he likes to bring up our past, doesn't he? He likes to remind us of all our mistakes, our sins. When we stumbled, we blew it. That's called condemnation. If we put those things under the blood, if we've, if we've come before the Lord in humility and said, Lord, I, you're right, he's right, I have screwed up, messed up, but I, I confess my sins, I, I put them under the blood... I, I, I seek your forgiveness and cleansing. And we all know, though, that even if we've done that, he likes to, as we journey along, to throw those things back on us. You remember when you used to do this? You ain't that. You ain't all that. Remember when you used to do this? And, and again, that's just dredging up our past. And then it dawned on me. This is really cool. Because that's, that's, that's a, a, a fairly good strategy of the enemy to cause us to feel depressed or defeated. Now think about this. The enemy at one time, was the one who led praise in the heavenlies, right? And it just dawned on me that every time you and I praise God, we remind him of his past. Think about that for just a minute. Yeah, see, at at that moment, revelation dropped in this building, didn't it? See, I saw it. It just went just like that. The minute you start getting pounded by the enemy, if you'll begin to praise God, you'll instantly begin to remind him of his past. And I can I just tell you what he does? He hightails it out of there. He wants nothing to do with what he once was. He will never be that again. He will never aspire to what he thought he could grab. And, and I'm telling you, praise, literally. Psalm 149 tells us that... The, that the high praises of God are as a double-edged sword in our hand towards the enemy. And when we praise God, that's, that's the environment that you can sweep him out of the place, is praising God. That's why this is so critical. That's why it's so important. It's not something, we don't do this just to hurry up and let's get to the message. I mean, I, I think I got something important to say as much as anybody. But I know this, we're not skedaddling to the message before we praise and honor God. And, and I'm just sowing into this body right now tonight that I want a culture of praise. I want a culture of worship. I want a culture that when people walk in, they just have to go through the glass doors and they say, golly, I just sense something different here. And what they sense, maybe we love them, maybe we're friendly, but more than that, maybe God set up shop. And he's decided this will be one of his addresses. And people actually walk into his very presence. Amen? That's what happens with your life, too. If you'll praise God with your life, people will come into your life and they'll start saying things like this. You know, whenever I'm around you, I just sense something different. I just sense something different about you. What are they sensing? Your cologne? Your mouthwash? No, they're sensing the presence of God. Amen? Come on, stand up with me, will you?